Welcome to Geek Salad, a podcast about two guys talking about their passion for editing geek, from the digital world to the not-so-digital world. Now here are your hosts, Randy and Jay A. LaRock. What's up, everybody? It is I, Randy, with me as always is Jay A. LaRock. What's up, brother? What's up, what's up? Geek Salad in the house. Geek Salad in the house. Alrighty, so it's been a while. It's been some time, but we're back because, hey, real life gets in the way, as we all know, mm-hmm. just, just just like last time. Um, have a good show for you today, so uh, I'm just going to jump right into it because um, picking up on kind of continuing what we kind of like talked in the last show. So the last show when I reviewed Charterstone um, that I spoke about it, how... It was like my first legacy game, uh, game by Stegmeier Games that, or Stonemeyer Games, um, that was really, really great. Because like first like legacy style game for me that I really enjoyed, my wife and I really enjoyed. Um, unbeknownst to you guys and to you, um, I had bought the year before Scythe, which was one of the biggest games that came out two years ago. And I ended up getting it as a Christmas gift for my brother. And I'm like, I need to sit down and play this thing. And it got huge buzz. And it sat on my shelf for a really, really long time. But the way that I like, the more I heard about this game and everything. And as a matter of fact, hold on. Uh, I'm pretty sure I showed you this one. Oh, Um, nice. I showed you the picture of this. So... Um, What's really cool about the game, um, it is essentially, um, it's almost like a map of a world of like Europa, but set in like pre kind of like World War II in between World War I, World War II type of era, only has more of of like a uh, vibe of like steampunk because there's mechs and stuff. So the way that it works is each of the different nations start in a different part of the map and you start working your way in the center of the map is an old like abandoned factory. And like you kind of like one of the strategies is you want to get to the center of the map to the uh, factory because it gives you an additional like action space that you can choose from as you're choosing your actions and things like that. So what's really neat about it as opposed to like a worker placement game where you sit there and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the forest and I get wood when you produce resources in this game, instead of them going into your hand, they actually sit on the board itself. And the way that you utilize the resources themselves is you have to have little workers in the area. So you like claim the land and then you could use those resources from the land. So a really interesting spin on what he did with this. So the thing that was funny, that's funny about the game is I got this game two years ago when it came out, sat on my shelf. They came out with the first expansion to the game. Without me even playing the game, I bought the expansion and held on to it. They came out with a second expansion to the game. Never played the game. Got the second expansion. I sat there and like upgraded the coins in it from like the cardboard coins to the metal coins. Like I got realistic looking resources for the game. Like I literally tricked this thing out to what you could have gotten if you bought the Kickstarter edition of the game. Mind you, did not play the game at all. My mindset in all this is like this thing's getting a ton of buzz. People are like putting this thing as like their game of the year for that year. Like it's got to be a good game. 
I'm going in blind on this. Like I just like I sat there, walked up into the casino, walked up to the roulette wheel with my life savings, and I'm like, I'm betting on red, and this is gonna be a win. I'm either gonna win it all or I'm gonna lose it all. And like my idea was is if I really didn't like the game, I could get my money out of what I invested into it because I could sell everything off as like one entire package. And finally, after like having this game sitting on my show for like a year and a half or two years, like I finally got to sit down and play it. And I have to say it was every single thing that everybody said about it and more so. And it's funny because playing it for the first time, like me and my friends, all three of us, we were first time playing it. So we literally went about four rounds around before and watching it, how it went before everything kind of clicked in our heads of like, oh, this is how it works. What's really funny is we continued to play it. But then after the fact, we were like, damn, what we should have done is played those four rounds, had it click on our heads and then reset everything and start all over again. Hmm. But we didn't. But that, but we said like what we'd probably do is because my wife didn't end up paying, playing it, and we were like, oh, when we sit down and they pl- and my wife plays, like we'll do four rounds, reset the whole game, and then we'll start again. How many players can play it? Um, so in the base box, it is one to five, I believe. Or yeah, one to five in the base box. With the first expansion, it adds the two missing factions that you see on the map. And then they can play from one to seven, which is funny because we played a three player and it was really interesting. And we just looked at the board and said, this ought to be sheer chaos if seven people are playing this game. Because three people, we were far enough away from one another that we could start moving our way towards the center of the map. And then we could start like engaging one another and fighting and, you know, like pushing each other out of the lands and stuff. Whereas playing with like seven people you have this one little corner of the mat and then it's like oh i gotta push out crap i'm gonna start stepping on people's toes you know um the thing that 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 amazed me about it so of the uh stonemeyer games like i said i own four of the five games that stonemeyer produces the four that are i own are all designed by Jer- uh, jeremy stegmeyer who's the owner of stonemeyer games which I seriously like, I, I almost, when you put up the video, let me know because I'm going to literally tweet out our charter stone video and this one at them. Cause I would so love to get him to come onto the show and do an interview with him just to pick his brain. And please gosh, come on our show. Yeah, please, please Jerry. Um, because like his design and his games are amazing. Like from everything from Viticulture when I played it to Euphoria, which is funny because playing through his games, you can see how he's evolved, how he's designed the games and how he's used a couple of things from each of the different games. So one of the things that I found interesting about Scythe was he took this thing where you have these like goals that you're kind of trying to do. And when you do it, you place these little stars as a marker on the map saying, okay, I accomplished this goal. And the whole thing of the game is is it continues until somebody puts their last star on the board and then the game ends and then you do the final game scoring. And he got that from euphoria, which euphoria you had to put 
little stars down. And then once a certain amount of stars were out, that's it. It triggered the end game. Um, the other thing that I found that was really interesting, a design choice in this game is you use your money to do stuff in the game, but your money is also your victory points. So you want to buy something cool. Do I put the money down, but I'm giving up victory points. Am I, what am I going to be, what I'm going to be getting out of it in the long run is going to be worth me spending my victory points now, which is really, really, yeah, it's a really, really interesting game. And one of the things I thought was really great about it is it, the, the regular size board is pretty decent, but they actually came out with, it's a double-sided board. But when you flip it on the opposite side, it's like a bigger version of the regular board. And you could buy a basically little mini second board that it's the last bit of that board. So you have it just way bigger on your table. I didn't think that the, just a regular size board was going to take up as much space as it did on my table. And then I saw it and I'm like, Jesus Christ, if we play with a bigger board, it is going to be ginormous on the table. Like it was huge. But at the same time, with one of the newer expansions, I can see why they have that bigger one because it introduces airships and the airship minis are are huge. So it's like like I, I saw a thing of somebody playing it and like the guy was like, yeah, you may want to get the little extension board because he like showed a, a, a picture of like having two workers, two mechs, and then the airship all in one of the original size hexagons. And they're literally like the hexagons bursting at the seams because it couldn't fit anything else on the on the hexagon. So it was just like, yeah, if you want to put down like resources on that, it's going to be a little bit dicey there. It's going to get a little full. Um, but like it has been one of those like unbelievable games that I played that now with everything said and done, I'm glad I got all the stuff for it because it's something that like, I know I'm going to hold on to this game for a really, really long time. And it was something to say that my wife, like she had gone out and then came home and was watching us play. And she just watched a couple of rounds of us playing. And she's like, Jesus, this looks like a really fun, really cool game. You know? And she, like kind of grasped the concept of what was going on, but she hadn't even like gone through any of the rules or anything like that. But she was like looking at it was like, man, this looks really, really cool. And that one I thought was, was amazing about it. And the thing that I'm like really, really looking forward to it is on new year's day, he, uh, he announced that they're the expansion that they're coming out with it for this year. He's going to add legacy elements to the game itself. So the the thing that I find that's going to be interesting about it is the way that he announced this like legacy system is you're going to do stuff that's going to permanently make changes, but it's not going to be how current legacy systems are that you're going to permanently change the board. He's like, you will be able to sit there and take the stuff, put it all back into the box and reset it all back. So it's something that looking at that is going to be really interesting to see how he does that and getting a taste of like part of his legacy system with, with Charterstone. It's going to be freaking cool. If it picks up a little things of that for sure. How much did the, um, did the game run you at the original? Um, so I bought it off of one of my like websites. So the thing that's funny is I also got it as a birthday gift. Um, uh, but if you dog. don't look, yeah, no, <laughs> well, that was, that was one of those things where, I use that to get it. But if you look like online, um, the game itself at retail sells for about 80 bucks. 
Um, but you can like online based on like a, uh, an online reseller, you can usually get it between like, you know, 55, 60 bucks, something like that. Um, but it's like, if you look at on top of like what I myself invested in upgrading the components, like I've sat there and probably invested enough where I've paid about what it would have been to just get the game alone to get the upgraded components. Mm. So like essentially, like if you look at it from a perspective of like how much have I spent on it, you know, if I were to have bought the game and the expansions and all, like I've essentially spent double what the game costs. But like I have now in it like metal coins, which are really nice to like when you play a game like that with metal coins instead of cardboard coins, like the the like nice like feel of the coin is so nice to hear them like banging up against one another, making that little clinking sound. Um, and they're not like the, the thing that I love about it is, is that they're not like cheaply made coins. Like these things have some heft to them. Um, and what's neat is when you look at each of the different values of the coins, they're based on like the different um, nations so like if you look at like the the one coin looks like the the old style chinese coins which is like round with a little square in the center you know and then the different other coins like one has like kind of like a russian type of theme to it another one has like a british type theme to it so it's neat to see how like they did all these different coins to represent the different nations of the of the game that's cool. um, and yeah, and then like I just recently got the upgraded like little components, um, the resource components, and like the when you look at it, like he's he's done before these like component upgrade like chests that are realistic looking, and I kickstarted the first one, and it was like when you look at like the wood, and the one that I have has like stone, metal, wood, like little uh, gems, clay stuff like that one like you look at it and it's like these little resin components they look amazing and he did like several of these and then he's still working with that company and makes like a little set for side that the little food looks like a little bag with like grain sticking out the top you know wood looks like real wood you know the little oil barrels look like real little oil barrels like it's unbelievable i love that kind of detail yeah no it's 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 unbelievable that is nice. Yeah. How long does it usually take like for a game? Um, so like <laughs> this is the thing that I find funny about his games. Like when you look at the traditional board game, it'll do a like 45 to 90 minute or like an hour to two hours. His games are like very specific. Um, let me see. Yeah. On the box, it says 115 minutes. Like... <laughs> Not 120, not a two hours, like 115 minutes, like just under two hours. And it's funny because you look at his other ones and they're like, oh, it's like 49 minutes. And I'm like, that's pretty interesting. Like, I wonder how he came to that. Like, if he sat there like, all right, you guys know how to play it? All right, go. And just like hit a timer and said, okay, it's this amount. Like, I'd love to ask him like how he, how he came up with the number and all that. But like our first run, like in reality, our first run we played, it was probably like a three to three and a half hour game, but that was more of like we were learning how everything was going. But I honestly feel even with three people, like we could probably do it in about hour and a half to two hours, um, play play a game. Because that's, that's a big thing. Like even when you look at like any new game, 
I never go by what they put on the box because like, yep, that's like if you know all the rules, know exactly how your turns are going to go. Yeah, that's what you're going to shoot for. Um, so I usually will tell people if you're looking at a game and it's your first time playing it, whatever time the box tells you it'll take, double it and that's what's probably going to take the first time you play the game. So if someone is like, let's say, is there kind of like a rating system? Like, you know how it with video games, someone will say, oh, if you play this video game and you've played video games in general before, it won't be hard to get the concept. But if you haven't played video games before, don't start with this one, start with this. And then they'll go more intricate into it and say, well, if you played RPGs before, you'll get this game. If not, you won't. In board games, do you have that? Like, for instance, for this game, if you're brand new to board games, is it harder to get into than if you played other types of board games or don't we <laughs> so, have that kind of rating system? So that's the thing that's like really, really weird because when looking at board games in general, you have really two genres that like we've gone over this in the show. You have what they call the Ameritrash games and then you have the Euro style games. So when you're looking at it, Ameritrash games are very theme heavy and rely a lot of the time on luck so a lot of dice rolling and stuff like that so strategy to the game like you know if you sit there and you think about it like monopoly risk like it is it is a game that has strategy to it like you have to know what property is to buy and this and that but you're really like broken down to what are your rolls of your dice because like same thing with risk, you can amass this huge army, and I can have this one little spot on the board that I've turtled in, and I could wipe you out because I got the better dice rolls. You know, um, Euro games will rely less on luck and more on strategy, and a lot of the times that when you're looking at, they rely less on strategy. There is a lot, or they uh, luck better say they they rely less on. There is a theme to the game, but it is a almost like kind of painted on theme and it's one of the jokes that like one of the the bigger like board game reviewers says is like there's a lot of euro games out there you could literally strip the theme off of the game and just play the game it'll still be a good game or you could strip this theme off of it and change it to this other theme and the game will still be really good because it doesn't matter what the setting is it's the actual game itself so the, the thing about it is, is like depending on how quickly you can pick up rules of games, because some of the Euro games don't have that complicated of rules, but some of them are like super heavy duty rules, um, is how well you'll pick up the game. Now, this is a type of game where it is a more Euro style game, but it does have different kind of like ways to do things like one of the biggest like changes to me is like I played games where I'm like, Oh, I want to produce these resources and they go into my hand and I don't have to worry about it. Whereas here in this game, he made it where like, Oh, if you want to use those resources, you got to have control of that land. So it adds a bit of strategy of like, Oh, I want to start spreading myself out, but a, I don't want to go out too far. And I don't want to like basically produce stuff and then leave out of the land. And now the, the, the resources are sitting there on the ground that anybody that comes in and then takes over that land. Now they can use those resources. Yeah. So it's a really like, you really think a lot about this 
game and it's it's those good like really meaty thinky type of games that is just like amazing and it is it's interesting because i feel like i don't feel if you have a person that's really really good at the game go up against more novice people like the person that's played it more is probably gonna win but it's not so such a gap that i've seen in some euros that it's like, oh, you know, we're playing with, you know, you, me, and Fred over here, and Fred's a master of this game. Like, you literally realize, like, I'm not going to win this game. Like, you and I are going to battle for second place type of a thing. Like, I don't feel like that this game is like that. Like, you all, as long as you don't do anything really crazy or dumb, like, everybody has, like, an even playing field for the game itself. So that's like that's a kind of like thing where I mean I don't think it would be too hard and that's what that's what I like about a lot of his games. He doesn't make them so complicated that you'll sit there for like an hour in the rule book going how the hell do I do this? You know, because that's another like killer thing when you're looking at a lot of euro games is sometimes you'll look through the rule book and you'll be like what in the holy hell are they talking about? Um and I laugh because there is one series of games. So if you look at out there, there is a game called Arkham Horror and this game called Eldritch Horror, which is the sequel to it. Um, really great games. And it's it's all based on like the HP Lovecraft uh, universe, like the Cthulhu stuff. But I remember buying like Arkham Horror was probably one of the first board games I bought. And I remember sitting down and reading through the rule book and going... I completely don't understand how in the hell you play this game. Like completely lost. You know, 30-something page manual, completely lost. And then I sat there and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure if I look on YouTube, there's going to be a video that shows me how to play the game. And sure enough, I found a video. And when I watched the video, the video was a 10-minute long video. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting that you have a 35-page manual and the instruction video is 10 minutes long. And I sat there and I watched the video. And the guy, what was interesting is, like, he went over how to set up the game, how to do a turn, and, like, what the strategy was. And he even referenced back to the book, you know. And I sat there and I watched the video and I realized, like, oh, it's not that complicated of a game. They just wrote the crap out of this book and <laughs> overly explained stuff to make it sound more complicated than it actually is. Mm. And what I liked about this guy's videos, he went over all the rules in the setup, and then he literally played a mock round just to show you how the turn went. Once I saw that, I was like, oh, I think I can sit there and play this game. And I literally sat down and played the game because it did have a single-player uh, aspect to it. And I was just like looking at it going, now I understand when some of these guys that do these reviews talk about like how a rule book can be written poorly. Like now I understand, you know, and that's, that's, I think a big challenge to a lot of, of games nowadays is if it's got a really bad rule book, like forget it. It's like trying to play a Nintendo game and not having the manual for it. And you're just like, I, I don't need to read that crap. I'll figure it out on my own. And then you realize like, wait a minute, this game's a lot more complicated than I think it is. Like seriously. Well, for me today, I kind of have a, a show and tell slash review. Hmm. But before I go into that, I want to explain kind of like how the Obsolete Gamer Network and Obsolete Gamer as a website 
does reviews because people take reviews different ways, different things. Sometimes there's even controversy as far as reviews. So our site's been along, around for a long time, 2009. So we've had reviews uh, sent to us for all types of things, from games to hardware and things like that. And one of the things that we always try and do is make sure that, A, it's something that we're interested in. And B, it's something that either something that we are definitely going to use or we would use, but if either we already have something and then we might pass it on to either an, a staff member, someone that writes for us or to the audience sometimes. But the key is, is that we don't want to just shill something because we got something for free. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, is this good? Is this a good company? Do they have good customer service? If you need to send it back, you know, so a lot of times when someone sends me something if i don't recognize the company right away i'll go look at other reviews of their products and see how it is and then be like okay let me now try the product out and then see if i could you know say that it's something to look into and we haven't really done reviews in a long time because it's just we've been more focused on different kind of content but with this show we want to be able to review things as it comes along and being in computers and gaming, and I'm also in film, I have all types of different gadgets and equipment coming and going. I mean, my desk has three monitors on it, and I have a wall TV that doubles as another monitor, not to mention multiple tablets and things like that, my Fitbit and things like that. So having a docking station was actually pretty interesting. And even though I didn't personally think to myself, I need to go get one, when I saw when they sent that offer over, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And for me, I always saw two different types of docking stations. Like you had like the old laptops when people really didn't actually like typing on laptops. They mm -hmm. had like, the kind of docking station where you could almost connect your laptop directly to it. And then you could use your keyboard, your monitor, your mouse, all that. And then you have the second kind, which is this one from a cell where basically you plug in something with a USB and then you have access to all these different ports that you can plug in all types of different devices and such. So, you know, I've never actually done an, an open box before, so I'm going to do an open box. So, hmm. see, you have, you have the item here. And it's cool. So, now, I already plugged this in and used it, but, so, you know, full disclosure, I, I put it back in, into the box and zip-tied zip everything to make it look all new. But <laughs> so, Jeez. so this is, this is, yeah, this, you have to do your research first. <laughs> I'm not going to do a whole, whole plug-in thing. You know, it's, this is not that kind of a show. Um, so this is a USB 3.0 docking station. So basically how this works is you already have like your PC. And if you're like me and a lot of other people who are gamers and have all types of stuff, your USB and all of your uh, plugs and connections and ports are probably full. Like mine is, is full of all types of different devices from my mouse to my keyboard to my webcam and so on. Hmm. So what's really cool about having an item like this compared to like let's say just a USB hub is this gives you access to more than just additional USB ports. So this uses USB 3.0 and then you also have power. So you have your power cable. So this is the section has a long cable. This is a section that actually plugs in to the back of the unit here. Hmm. And then you also have the actual power cable. 
So combined, you really have like a really nice long cable. Hmm. And it also came with the oops, oops, USB cable. And basically, you have various ports that you can use. And I'll go through all the different ports that you have on it. So of course, here you have your USB 3.0 ports. So you get the full speed uh, that with the USB 3.0. And then here on the back, you have your Ethernet port. And then you have a display port, which has, um, let me get the exact numbers. I had it here. Uh, 38 by 40 by 21 by 60. And then you have an HDMI port, which does 256, uh, I mean, two, two, 2560 by 1440. And then over here, you have another USB 3.0 port, uh, USB-B, USB-A, USB-B. So when you plug the item in, now all of a sudden you have access to have all these additional ports, which is great because if some people don't have like a extra video card, for instance. So this actually has that technology in it. So if you have like, let's say you have your regular HDMI monitor or you have a display adapter, then you plug in your other monitor and you're able to watch, uh, use your, expand your desktop over to that new monitor without having that dual card video card, which is great because not everyone has that. You know, I have the old, old GeForce 580, so that's fine. But if you have a single connection video card, you're able to extend with this. And uh, even though my card is a little bit outdated, uh, I did read to see how it would perform even if your card is older than that because a lot of times people say that when you're using like docking stations like this and you connect it and you're using the integrated video card that what will happen is is that when you're trying to drag items back and forth, you'll get like latency, you'll get lag or something like that it doesn't perform well. Um, now, with me, it performed fine. And from what I read on other reviews, it also performed fine. If you have Windows 7, up to Windows 10, uh, it works. I'm using Windows 10, so that's what I, I tested it on. So, um, oh, I also did miss one port. This You have this port here for your headphones. So think about that. You get three in one. So you basically plug in. I realize I probably just shouldn't have uh, re-zip tied these. <laughs> so I, I tied these too tight. <laughs> but... So how, how it basically works is once you plug in the power, then you plug in to the USB 3.0B uh, USB 3 back here, mm -hmm. right? And then you plug in into your computer. And then, of course, your power. And then once you have that, then you have access to all, the, all your ports here. And it's great because you have also the sound that comes uh, integrated into the system so that you can listen through this device. So... In the end, it's like you could bring in your other devices and just hook it up to here. So instead of having like everything spread out, like I used to have like a little mini um, USB extender that would like hang from the front of my computer and it was it, it didn't work well. This sits like right underneath my monitor and, you know, it's stylish and it worked really well. Now, one of the things that uh, some people did say as far as, uh, reviewing it, it was the cost. It costs like 159 bucks. But even though I don't need to take this item on the road, 
you know, people have said that if you're going places where you need to have a docking station, you want something that's durable. And I can tell you, like, you look at it and you might think, oh, this is, this looks like it might be like cheap or plastic. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, it's really sturdy, you know? So it's something that one of the reviewers talked about how they were able to like, just throw it in their uh, bags with their electronics and something. And they don't have to worry about, you know, a slight little bump or something and it stopped working. Now, obviously you still want to take care of your electronics, but it's sturdily made so that you can take it on the go with you and be able to access it. So, I mean, it's a sturdy overall, plastic. <laughs> yes, it's still plastic, but you know, hey, look, it's it's it's, it's good stuff. So, you know, it, as I cool. said, when it comes to reviews, you know, I, I'm not going to sit out here and be like, go get this today. That's that's not what this is about. This is more specifically about if you have a need. Sometimes you got to spend more money because that's one thing that I learned definitely because I used to be the kind of person that I would need something. Let's say I needed a, a USB stick. I would go online and try and look for the cheapest one. And I'd be like, oh, $5.99. And then, no, it turns out that's not good. Sometimes I've learned getting a little bit older that you spend a little bit more money, you get a good product, you don't have to send it back. So. <laughs> Fourteen ninety nine for a sixty four gig three point USB micro center USB stick. Who's that through? Micro center. Oh, micro center. Yeah. Said, yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's working so far. I'm not gonna knock it. It's fifteen bucks. I was like, hey, you know what? For fifteen bucks, what the hell? Um, but that's that's interesting. God, I didn't realize how old of a video card you. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Good God, man! I'm over here rocking a, a GTX 1080. Hey, look, all of Overclock. us don't have. We we don't we're we're not all balling, man. Some of us are poor over here. <laughs> we we ain't got that blue Yeti mic money rolling around here. Nope, no, no. <laughs> I I got this for my job as a roadie. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, I will tell you. You may not be the person to be like go out and buy. No, I will tell you, people go out and buy side. Like give that man some money, cause good God, that game is phenomenal. Keep that man's yeah. business going. And Jeremy, if you see this and you want to come on, reach out to us. I'll I'll be tweeting this and hopefully you'll reply. I would love to like just like fanboy crush on you during the interview, please. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit back and I just go, I'll just go just marvel like yeah, he got it, he got Dude. it. Like I said, like the thing that's amazed me is the man has of the five games that his company released, the man has designed four of them, and all four of them are great. Like I have yet to play a bad game from that one that he has designed or from his company, and I haven't played the last one, which I heard got phenomenal reviews as well. Um, it's the only one I haven't played is the Tales of Two Cities, or yeah. Is it or, or between two cities? I think is the name of it, um, and it's an interesting game in what it sounds like because you can play up to four people, and it's like a card-based or tile-based game that you're building stuff and you can build points, but you also like can make points off of what your neighbors are playing in their cities, and it's neat because you can together put like a monument in between the two cities. And it gives you both extra points. So it's like you're trying to get your points, but at the same time, you need to help out your neighbors to get more points for yourself. So it's an interesting cooperative competitive type of game that like sounds really, really interesting. Like I said, I have yet to play, but I've heard nothing but good reviews for it. I got to ask, with all these board games that you've been showing me, 
where do you keep them? Do you have like a board game room that I I don't know about, or is this just, you have them stacked up in your closet? Your, your I have to, like hold on. I I don't think I have the photo on my phone, but I essentially so if you've ever gone to like IKEA and seen those like uh, Calyx shelves, uh, shelves I think is what they call them. They're the little shelves that are like square, and then you can buy them in like a single row of four or eight. Like I have ah, a yes. living room where I have my TV that has some of those, and then I have other shelves that I have. Um, that's essentially where I have my collection. Let me see. I gotta sit there. I know I have a picture that I'll send you of just my collection. And when I show people my collection, they're like, how many games do you have? I'm like, uh, when you look at it, over 100. Oh, wow. So, I, I like, it's it's funny because for me, like, I started with one game and started collecting slowly. And it went from, oh, a couple games here, a couple games here, to, like, literally in a three-year time span, I've had 100, uh, I have 100 plus board games. And what's funny is I've sold some. So, I've literally sold the ones that I've replaced one game with another one because like I enjoyed the same mechanics, but it was just better, better done. And I'll sell off the older one or, and, and then also as I've gotten more advanced into playing my wife and I, like we've sold off more of our beginner stuff that we used to have. So huh. I'll, I'll have to take a photo and send it to you because you're going to sit there and go, good God. <laughs> hey, cool. Now, uh, before we go, though, I do want to I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to tell all our audience that Randy's going to be going to PAX East. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he's he's going to bring us some awesome videos back so that I'm, make sure that he does get it. Yes. It'll, it'll be funny. So my big thing is I, I went to PAX East, uh, I want to say like three or four years ago. And I remember going through and it was funny because it was so loud and you're going and it's just like that <laughs> playing in the background and you're trying to go through and you're trying to get to these like games. And like, it's funny because I sat there and I was like, man, I would love to record some video of this. But then I was sitting there thinking like, I can probably record video and all you're going to hear is the <laughs> in the background and you're not going to hear a word of me like saying, Hey, this is blah, blah, blah. So like, I'm at the point where I'm, um, I want to go and like record stuff and just test it out and see what it's like. Because if at least like, at least in what I've seen of how like iPhones record stuff, like you could have background noise, but you could be talking and the phone does a really good job of like focusing in on your voice and it'll record it. So I'm hoping that I can get some video. Um, and if it does do a pretty good like testing job of just like recording stuff, I would love because one of like the big things that they have there at PAX East, which is really cool, is they have like a really nice indie section where they'll have like a lot of people showing off their indie video games and they'll have a they have a nice like board game section too. I'd love to get some interviews with some of the people because I remember like that year that I went. Um, if you guys have ever played, let me pull up my Steam library. Um, there's a game that's out now, and come on, Steam, connect. Come on. We gotta get um, you like a Geek Salad shirt so you can represent. That's that's <laughs> what you gotta do. But it's oh, what's the name of this stupid game? Hold on, hold please. Brawlhalla is the name of the game. 
which when you look at it, it's like almost like a a, a Super Smash Brothers clone, if you were, on Steam, and it's a free to play game. They actually were showing it off there right before they released it. And me and like my friend that were there, we played it and they gave us like a uh, an early access code before it was out. So I had been playing Brawlhalla since before it released. Like I played it for a good like six to eight months before it released. Um, and it's cool because a lot of the indie the indie people there, like they'll have you try out their games. Or they'll ask like, what do you think of it? Do you think there's anything we could change and all that? And they may give like you a code to play or something like that to continue to play. But it's really cool because, like, if I can, I would love to to sit there and uh, talk with some of those people if I can get some good audio out of it um, to bring it home and, like, hey, show you guys stuff that, you know, I'll upload you the uh, the videos of that. Or just then, go, go out and get a high-powered camera and put it on the Obsolete Gamer Network account, which we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because, like, I could technically. So that's the funny thing is, I could technically take the um, my. I have a DSLR camera that I'd be able to shoot great video with. But the problem would be is the mic on that thing is is horrible. And if I were to film it, all you would hear is the. <laughs> you wouldn't hear any audio from us. So like now that at least I have an A plus that has a really nice camera on it and it could do 4K video. Um, I could probably get good audio and good video for it. The only thing that concerns me about it this year, I will say, is I believe I know folks that went to it last year. And the year that I went, it was pretty chilly outside. Like it was probably like like mid to upper 20s outside. And they had you go up to the convention center and then you had a bag check, a security bag check. And then they essentially had you go inside and they had you line up in the inside like this pre-hall area. And then you could go into the main hall. Supposedly somebody that went last year said, oh, yeah, they didn't do that, that they haven't done that. But they have everybody wait outside. And they were like last year, it was like. 15 degrees or something like that. And there were people that were waiting outside for like three hours to get into the hall. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like sit outside of it. It's that cold. Can't blame me there. Sit out there and wait to go in. And, and, and if there's any like bad thing that I could say about PAX, you know, that it's, I mean, I totally understand why they do it is, for specific like game demos, they put a limit on the line because if not, like you'd have these like super long lines. So like the year I went, Blizzard had a 15 minute playable demo of Overwatch before it came out. And I must have tried at least six or seven times throughout the day to try and get into the line to play it. And I couldn't get into the line because every time we went, they're like, oh, no, the line's cut off. You have to wait. You have to come back. And it was like, God damn it. <laughs> That's why but you gotta flash just, that obsolete gamer. Be like obsolete gamer. Yeah, like, like, the doors right. will open. The sea <laughs> will part. Like it was hilarious because I remember that year. Like they had Overwatch there. This was like big when both Vive and Oculus were like just getting ready to release. So they had demos of it. And what was really funny is like you had to, you couldn't. There was no line to test out the Vive. You had to like register on some like website and then they did this like lottery drawing for the day 
and that's how you got a scheduled time to come and check out the Oculus. And I was like, Jesus, I'm like, they're doing this on a lottery, like crazy register, take a blood sample type website. You know, I think I want to know who they're, who they're letting into their, their booth, man. <laughs> oh man. It was such, it was such chaos and I'm looking forward to it. Like, and, and that was the thing is I only went to one day that year um, because like I had a friend that had a spare ticket and that was the only reason why I went. This year, like I found out the dates that it was. I put the time off at work, and I'm like, I don't care if I get tickets or not. I got the time off. And then as soon as I like got the note, like, and it was funny. Like the story of how I got Pax tickets was so funny. Like I remember I was off of work, either that or I remember like I came home early from work or something. Like I wasn't feeling well. I had this like really bad migraine, and I remember I got home, and I took uh I took some like Excedrin and all that, and I'm laying on the couch. And I remember like I'm just sitting there and I have like a towel over my eyes, kind of like covering, blocking out the light and some ice on my head just to like make the, the the headache go away. And I'm laying there and I'm like, I start falling asleep. And I remember because I had subscribed to the PAX um, Twitter that they would send notifications when the tickets went live. I remember hearing the notification of Twitter giving me like, hey, you're getting a notification. And I remember kind of like lifting the towel up and I'm laying on my side and I grab my phone and I kind of like click the thing and I see like PAX tweeted, hey, PAX Eeks tickets are officially on sale. And I was like half asleep, half awake. So like in my mind, I was like, yo, like I'm dreaming, like they're putting the tickets off on sale. This is cool. And then I was just like sitting there going like, I'm like getting ready to fall back asleep. And then it's just like my mind just like, wait a minute, they're selling the ticket. So it was like that whole like, and it was funny. It's like, wait a minute, they're selling tickets. And then I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm like, wait, is this a dream or am I actually awake? And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to go turn on my computer and see because if it is real, I better not like not get the tickets. <laughs> so sure enough, they were they were on sale. So I got into the queue and I think I only had to wait like two minutes before it gave me the option to, to buy my tickets. So I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I got the tickets. Nice. Uh, and it's funny because this year is different because they went from doing a three-day packs to a four-day packs. So instead of it being Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and I'm going Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm like, eh, I'm not going Sunday. I'm taking that day as my recuperation day. But what's interesting is in previous PAXs, they would have like you could buy the individual days or you could buy like a one pass that was good for the whole PAX. They actually for PAX East, I believe it was this year. If not this year, it was last year. They eliminated the multi-day pass. And the reason why they did that is because the scalpers were buying the crap out of those multi-day passes and then reselling mm. them. So now they made it like you can only get one-day passes at a time, and you can only get I think up to four tickets per household. So and then they they were like they they, they basically put a big warning. They're like, don't be a scalper and buy more than four tickets to one household because we'll find out. And guess what? We'll revoke all those tickets. Oof. Hey, well that's good. It's better for the people. It's better for the people, bro. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to that. Like, I can't wait to like, just get some, get some stuff to bring and show y'all and get taken down by copyright. No, 
We're like, this new game is poop. Copyright. <laughs> Copyright claim. Like, no. Oh, man. Well, once again, my friend, it was a very, very nice show. It was good getting together with you, doing it once again for all Definitely. you folks out there. Um, but thank you all for watching this. Um, and if you hear us because you're listening to the audio version of this, come by, watch the video. You'll enjoy it even more. You'll get to see stuff that you can't hear. Like me giving you the thumbs up. Um, <laughs> or Randy's then, cat. Or, or my cat. Yeah, the internet famous cat, which she disappeared about two shows ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we love having you guys come by. We love getting uh, feedback from you guys. But as always, get out there and game, you guys. Uh, we love doing this guy for you. Subscribe to us. Hit the little notification squad button so you know when we got new ones up. Uh, but as always, this is me, Randy, and my buddy, J.A., Peace.